0: Good stuff right there. That really is. It's really encouraging when someone does good things and good things come back to them. Actually, that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at this uh, this idea of heaven and how our perception of goodness impacts our perception of whether or not we go to this place called heaven. I'm going to talk about that. But let's pray right now before I do anything else. God. This is, a, this is a big day, it's a big topic because there is big, big stakes, huge stakes for getting our mindset right, and I pray for a mind shift inside of every place where there's a person who's trying to connect with you, inside of every home where there's a screen right now. I pray that you would, you would reach us where we are, and you would take us to where you want us to be, and my words will be helpful, and most importantly, that you'd be, you be th- Uh, You be honored by all the words I give today. I pray these things according to the character and identity of Jesus. Amen. Well, we believe in goodness. We should. Goodness is really good. Well, very rarely will we say, you know, I'm a good person. Very rarely will one of us say, because that kind of sounds pregocious. Maybe also it uh, might not be true. (laughs) We're more comfortable saying things like, I'm basically a good person. (laughs) I'm a pretty good person to have some phrase on there to take a little bit of the sting off. Because we all know, I think, deep down, that there's stuff in our lives that we're not all that proud of, we don't like all that much. And there is the rub. We, 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 we know there's some things that aren't really the way they should, but yet we, we believe and want to believe that we're basically good or 51% good or 90% good because we need to have the right amount of goodness to get to the right amount of good place, heaven. That's our belief. We have to do certain things to get to heaven, like Thanksgiving food drive. Man, awesome. Great. I love Thanksgiving food drive. Awesome. It's great. I, I hope we all do it because I feel good every time I do Thanksgiving food drive. And it's great having other families feel good who will have food in their bellies who wouldn't normally have food in their bellies. But there's also temptation to like, yeah, I did thank, Thanksgiving food drive. Tick, another good thing I just did. God, you see that one? See that one? Thanksgiving food drive. See those kids? They burped and belched and farted because of what I did right there. Mm, mark it down. Right. Another, ch- another mark in the side of B- Brian being a basically good person. This, this lines up with our culture, how we view getting to heaven, getting to God, our, our position in the afterlife based on our works. LifeWay, which is a research organization, found that 60% of us, 60% of us believe that We will be united with our loved ones, 60% of us. According to the Pew Research Center, roughly 7 in 10, 72% of Americans say they believe in heaven, defined as a place where people who have led good lives are eternally rewarded. Led good lives, eternally rewarded. Now, if you came to a crossroads today, if you are experiencing crossroads in a coffee shop or home, wherever you are right now, I bet you're one of the seven. I'll bet, you know, if 7 in 10 of Americans believe in this, I'll bet the high likelihood that you're one of the seven, 90%, 99% of everybody who's a part of Crossroads right now is in that seven. There's, there's something that's drawing you to, to, search, to seek and find something above and beyond. And you're, you're, you're inclined to try to understand this. You're inclined to steer your life that way. And yet, with a high concentration, of people who believe in a place called heaven, we at the same time have this belief that what I do, what I do is going to get me there. Not what God does, not God's characteristics, but what I do. A friend of mine and one, uh, and one of our campus pastors who um, uh, leads our Georgetown campus had a pretty interesting previous occupation. This is Brad. He's
1: a campus pastor at Crossroads. Before Crossroads, Brad spent five years in the funeral business. So we had him dust off his dark suit and asked him some questions. The very first body that I removed by myself, like a solo pickup, when I went, I actually went to a nursing home. And I got there at 2 o'clock at night, and, and I couldn't get my stretcher in this lady's room. And it was more of a room, it was like an apartment. And I couldn't get my stretcher in, and no one was around to help me. So I kind of just said, well, I got to go and check this woman out. Maybe I can just pick her up and I can get her out. And so I walk into her room and she is just like dressed makeup on laying under this cover. And at first she just looked like she was asleep. So I got under her hips and I got under her neck. And as soon as I lifted her up, she exhaled on me, like on my, like on my face. And I set her right down. I was like, Betty, Betty, wake up. Like, I thought, I thought she was awake, freaked me out. Took me 45 minutes to talk myself in to going back in her room and picking her up. But nobody ever told me that a lot of times when you move a body, the, last, the first thing they do is an exhale. Because when they took their last breath, they huh! And then so when you pick a body up and you open that airway, it's an exhale. And she was doing that right on my face. And I, I swear I thought this woman was alive. So when people would find out that either I had a ministry background, whether that was just through relationship and conversation, sometimes my boss loved to tell people that so that I could help people maybe step in and fill the gap and kind of sometimes play the role as the preacher at funerals. Um, But it was so bizarre to me when people would come up to me and look at me and ask me, is there something that I could do? for their loved one. And reading into that question and being in that context, what they're really saying is dad's gone, but as a person of faith, as a preacher, is there something that you can do now that would help secure our dad? Is there anything that you can do to to change God's heart, to get him into paradise or whatever it was? And it's just a sad thing to. No, There's, I mean, I can love you. I can walk with you. I can pray that God's peace just showers you, that, that God will do exactly what it says in scripture. He'll come close to the brokenhearted. There's nothing to do for dad now that dad's gone. And so that's another reason why it strikes in me kind of this urgency is because the choices we make today, they're the ones that define our future. And I'm not talking like next week, They define our eternity. Heaven, hell, it's our choice. It's everybody's choice. And it's a choice we have to make today. Oh my gosh, I mean, when you walked in and you participated with a family that were believers, someone who had hope of an eternity, when you witness a family and they have that hope, and they're saying goodbye to a loved one, it's just a temporary goodbye. And so in some ways it's a celebration. Was there emotion, was there sadness, was there tears? Yes, because there was love and there was a loss, but there was also so much to gain and that's where people put kind of their hope and you couldn't shake that. And when you participate with that, it's completely different night and day from those other types of experiences.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Big idea for today. Your choices matter for eternity. My choices matter for eternity. Our, churches, our choices matter for eternity. There's something that draws us to something beyond just what we can see, feel, and touch. It's there. And we encounter people who've had a glimpse of something beyond what we can see, feel, and and touch. It's called near death experiences. Person after person says, When I died and I went, I, I was dead, but I saw a light. I felt warm feelings of love, very, very consistent things. And then they brought, came back to life. A friend of mine, John Burke, wrote a book on this. There's tons and tons of books. I think this little synoptic statement puts it well. It says this The Handbook of Near Death Experiences, Chronicles 55. 55 researchers or teams who have who published at least 65 studies of over 3,500 near-death experiences. Many have come to the conclusion there is life after death. Alternative explanations have been pros- proposed over the years, but none make as much logical sense as the evidence as the simple conclusion there is life after death. As the simple conclusion, let's just take people's word that they saw something, experienced something that was beyond what you and I see an experience, and these things line up crazily, eerily well. Now, not everyone has those. There's a, a couple of reasons why not everyone has a near-death experience who was dead on the operating table or later revived after a car accident. Um, one possible, we're just, just surmising here, one possibility is you know, God knows all things. He knows all things. And for some reason, he chooses to give some people a glimpse of the afterlife and perhaps some people not a glimpse after that. Why? Why one? Why the? I I don't know. But, you know, God God is not surprised that someone's going to be revived and brought back to the earth. Oh, my gosh, just got jerked out of here. I had no idea that was going to happen. Woo! Didn't see that one coming. I wouldn't have wasted all my lumens on the blinding light in your eyes. My gosh. He's doing something there for something that's motivating him that you and I don't understand. So why does he get some and I don't know. Another, another possibility, or certainly percentages. is some people, when they die, there's no light. There's only darkness and nothingness. We'll talk about, we'll talk about hell next week. But there is a draw inside of us. A belief that there has to be something more. And so since we have that belief, now I have to have a way to get there. And the most easy way is the American way, which is pull myself up by the bootstraps. You know, I do my thing. I just kind of take care of myself. Rugged individualism. I'm a good person. I'm a basically good person. I'm better than the average person. And that's how I get to heaven. And that's our system that we operate. A few challenges with that. Three of them. Challenge number one is, who defines what the good works are? You say you're basically good. Who defines what the good works are? There's a lot of areas where we have no idea about. I mean, most of us could agree that Ten Commandments, thou shalt and thou shalt not, those are pretty clear. We get those ones. Okay, you're good probably if you're doing those things, and when you're not doing those things, you're probably not doing some good stuff that day. But so much of life is not that. I was thinking about this just uh, recently as I was talking with a friend of mine who has a good friend who's a South Korean, and he went over to South Korea, and he wanted to go into the demilitarized zone, that area that's right between South Korea and North Korea, which basically is left over from the Korean War when the Americans pulled out. That thing is still there. It divides our friends, America's friends, with our enemies, our, our enemies, Right? said so he went and walked up and there's a statue of my favorite president or at least my favorite um, person who had a biography written about them, Harry, Harry S. Truman. The book was uh, by David McCullough, my favorite biography I've ever read. I love biographies. That's my favorite one. Uh, man, what an interesting president. I really liked how he shot straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really good. Most Americans, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you probably really like Harry, Harry S. Truman, because of that plain-spoken, just I'm going to give it straight, right? Well, his friend, who's South Korean, when he walks by this little memorial, he spits on Harry S. Truman. Spits on him. And then they go to a little bay, and there's another memorial. And this memorial was, was with uh, Douglas MacArthur. Uh, not my favorite person. Uh, uh, very egomaniac. Uh, had a hard time with authority. Did his own thing, just, and got relieved of duty. And I'm good. I'm glad he got relieved of duty. Well, and this. South Korean goes up and he kisses Douglas MacArthur. Kisses his, 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 his you know, statue. Finally, my friend said, well, what is, tell me what's going on here. Because this is a normal South Korean thing. He said, well, uh, Harry Truman pulled Douglas MacArthur back, didn't let him do what he wanted to do and keep pushing forward. And had Douglas MacArthur done what he wanted to do, we wouldn't have this line between North and South Korea. And we wouldn't have these nuclear problems because our country would be one if only that had happened. It's like, oh, wow, I never really thought of it that way. So what's good there? What's good is... is, 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 it's like, all of a sudden, what was really clear to me maybe isn't all that clear. In 1842, a ship struck a, a lifeboat or a, a ship struck an iceberg and there was 30 survivors, one of them being the captain, who were inside of a lifeboat that was only going, could only hold seven people and all of them are in there. And the captain realized they're never going to survive. They're taking on water. They can't keep up with the water. Waves are coming. He realizes he's got to lighten the load and the only way to lighten the load is to get rid of people. So what's he do? Does he, let, does, he, does he throw people overboard and, and kill some of them? Or does he just allow everyone, the whole, everyone to be killed? And the Andy chooses 14 single men. He has them thrown overboard and two women. And the two women were two women who were related to the single men. And they couldn't stand the thought of their, their brother or nephew or whatever dying without them. And so they, they went over and the rest of the crew was able to row to safety, and he saved all those lives, and then he was brought up on charges. So, okay, what's, what's good there? What was, what's good? They're like, everyone should have died, or someone should have made a hard decision so a bunch of people would actually get back and serve their families. How about uh, Corinne's Choice it's known as? On January 2015, Corinne Ray, a cartoonist for the French satirical magazine, Charlie Hebdo is met by an extreme jihadist who puts a knife to her face, uh, the throat and says, you either get me access inside this building or I kill you and your daughter. She gives him access inside the building. He murders 12 people, including two policemen, and shoots 11 others. Okay, is it good? A mother's protecting her daughter or is this not good? Very, very selfish. You would protect two people when a bunch of other people got killed just because you couldn't imagine your family being different. What's good? Who's to determine what's good? One way or the other. Imagine you. Okay, all of us have this idea of, of, of good that's out there, right? Imagine you. Let's just, let's forget about these. Let's talk about our choices. How about if We were able to define for you, you define for us, you define for us what is good and bad behavior in somebody else. And you just laid out, when I see this in somebody, this is bad, when I see this in somebody, this is good. Here's all things that people do that are really, really bad. Okay. And then we took your list, your list of things that are not good, and we pointed the camera on you for a year. And we saw how you lived up to the things that you thought were good and you thought were bad. Whatever those things are. How would you do? We know there's certain things that are really bad, right? Like murder and like um, um, uh, adultery, obviously. Well, what about one of God's other top ten list? One of his other things, which was, Thou shalt keep the Sabbath holy. Remember the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Keep one day out of seven holy, a Sabbath, a day of rest, no work, no email, no planning for the next week of work, no voice messages, no, 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 no a week off, just off, off. Man, that's one of those, that's a big deal. He puts that in the top ten. How are we doing on that one? Mmm. We're so sick as Americans. <laughs> you know, in order to get any of us to take time off, we have to sort of woo each other and say, "Yeah," but the research shows if you sleep more and if you take more time off. You'll work better when you get back to work. Yes, yeah, so you're actually being more productive when you rest. Like nobody else in the world who has vacation time thinks that I'm doing this so I can work better. No, they just sort of enjoy that I'm off. But you and I are so sick, we feel so guilty when we have a day of unproductivity that we tell you no, you know, the top 10 list guy, that top, no, that one, no not doing that one. Okay, so what is it? Is, are we any different when we don't take a day off? That a murderer is? What about those in between? Challenge number two. Challenge number two is this, dealing with our bad works. Again, our choices right now impact eternity. They do. Our choices do impact eternity. How do we deal with our, our bad choices? Beyond the philosophical conundrums that are difficult, what about the ones that we've done that are just bad and that are just wrong? There's a show that's on Netflix that I've uh, recently started watching and uh, and I've actually enjoyed it.
2: Uh, (laughs) Hello everyone, and welcome to your first day in the afterlife. You were all, simply put, good people. But how do we know that you were good? How are we sure? During your time on Earth, every one of your actions had a positive or a negative value depending on how much good or bad that action put into the universe. Every sandwich you ate, every time you bought a magazine, every single thing you did had an effect that rippled out over time and ultimately created some amount of good or bad. You know how some people pull into the breakdown lane when there's traffic and they think to themselves, ah, who cares, no one's watching. We were watching. Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. When your time on earth has ended, we calculate the total value of your life using our perfectly accurate measuring system. Only the people with the very highest scores, the true cream of the crop, get to come here, to the good place. What happens to everyone else, you ask? Don't worry about it. Let's just face it, Eleanor, you don't belong here. Well,
1: then this system sucks. What, one in a million gets to live in paradise and everyone else is tortured for eternity? Come on. I mean, I wasn't freaking Gandhi, but I was okay. I was a medium person. I should get to spend eternity in a medium place, like Cincinnati. Everyone who wasn't perfect, but wasn't terrible, should get to spend eternity in Cincinnati. Look, apparently it doesn't work that way.
0: (laughs) Yes. Lexington's loving that line, like medium places, Cincinnati, that's right. UC, medium place, yes, uh, UK is loving that line right now. You know, um, our entertainment choices and our art are cultural artifacts that a, that a future archaeologist when he or she unearths them will tell them something about our culture, something about our society. They, They will unearth clips like that. And there's a bunch of clips or a bunch of articles like that. And they will come to understand, boy, these people thought that what happened in their future was solely resting on what they did right now. And we laugh about it, but that's what we believe. And you have to understand, if you believe in a heaven that system of you earning your way there is entirely opposed to heaven, entirely opposite the system of heaven. It's like having the American Constitution inside Russia. It doesn't work. You can have the American Constitution work in America. You can't, like, take that and stick that in Russia. No, it's just like... It's an it's, it's a operating system that does not work in a certain land. the book of Romans chapter 14, verse 10 and following, it says this. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or, or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment scene of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Every spirituality, every worldview, spiritual worldview has some belief of some place that you go that's kind of nicer and better than where we are right now. The picture of heaven that is personal, we interact with God um, is entirely unique to Christianity. It's entirely, it's, it's, it that that is a, that is a Bible thing. That's not a Hindu thing, it's not a Buddhist thing, it's not an Islam thing, it's not a pop spirituality thing. The idea that there is forgiveness that you can be with a personal God, you can have an eternity forever and have enjoyable things, that is only and solely in a place that Jesus and other authors of Scripture describe. So if we want to believe in some place that we go to, which all of us tend to, we ought to take our cues of, okay, this belief of this thing, what's sort of the constitution of it? And one of them is here is I, got to, I have to stop being so hard on other people who don't rise up to my standards because guess what? My standards don't rise up to my standards. My standards don't rise up to God. How do I deal with the bad things that I've done right here? How how does that work? And if you see certain things happening in our culture, you see us not willing to actually see things the way they are. Hashtag Me Too. It's been happening. Very courageous thing for a woman who has been taken advantage of by a man to uh, go public. Very, very courageous. And I also think that some of the conversation is, uh, is a bit just off-kilter. Uh, I- I'm, I'm glad that people aren't being, women aren't, uh, are, are being courageous. But at the same time, like, I don't think the conversation should be around women being courageous. The conversation should be around what is it about our culture that's creating men who abuse their strength and power, either corporate power, financial power, physical power. What is it happening that we are creating men who are acting like selfish boys and imposing themselves in a place where they're not welcome? That's really the discussion that should be had in our country. What, what is going on there? Instead of like, okay, courageous thing here. Yes, 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 but this is the bigger thing here. How do we deal with this right here? What's, what's the ramification? And, and if we got even personal, okay, Harvey Weinstein, okay. What if, what, what, what is it, what's it supposed to be? What, what do we got to be? 51% good? What about the other 49%? We got to be 75% good? What about the other 25%? What are we, 91%? What about the other 9%? Who's determined what's in the, let's take a Harvey Weinstein, okay? Well, what what if a Harvey Weinstein, Weinstein, whatever the heck is it, Weinstein, I'm I'm not trying to be funny here, Weinstein, thank you. I've read a lot about him, I've not actually heard his name pronounced because I don't watch news or listen to much of it. So Weinstein, Uh, what if if he is, um, what if he is, an amazingly generous guy goes to all kinds of um, uh, functions to give money to charity. Uh, what if he's not a racist? What if he, um, uh, what if he has uh, uh, makes other people wealthy, helps you put food on the table, and it runs through all line list, And yet, he has a percentage of him that abuses, mistreats, overpowers women. We would all say, no matter what's going on over here, this thing has to be dealt right here. This thing has to be dealt with. I mean, I don't know much about spirituality, but, you know, Donald Trump, you know, he doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He's got kids that seem to be, you know, put together pretty well. And yet there's other stuff. Okay, so like, what, what? He would be sadly misinformed if he tried to rest on his other stuff if he was trying to think of it as a good thing that was going someplace, right? Now you and I? What, how do we deal with the percentage of the things that are off? Because we all have it. What, what happens to those things? If you live in America and you never have to go hungry and you have your own bed And when you break a bone, you can get it set. And when you can read a book and all these things, you are in the 1%. In the 1% of the world's population. And if you're in the 1% and you say, I am a follower of Jesus, he is my way. And as 1%, if you've been following Jesus for years and you've never come to do the tithe thing, the 10%, going to God's seal, like, ooh. Wow. What do we do with that? What, what do we do when we really believe that, no, no, no. Um, um, no, it's, 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 well, I don't even, I can't even talk right now. Wow, I'm not even sure what I would say to all these saints. Uh, well, well, Jesus, give me some relief because this sounds like some, this sounds like some really like difficult, like angry Old Testament God here. Well, let's see what Jesus says. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 48, You must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus, you must be perfect. Perfect. You must not have a single percent out of alignment. Not a single one. You must be perfect. All right, just kind out of curious. How many of us are perfect? How many of us today have done everything perfectly? Today, I'm gonna to put my hand down and put way down. way up. What do we do with the things that are not perfect? Well, what we do is we rest in God's work, not in our work. It's not my work, it's God's work. Romans 3 23 and following. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we are justified by his grace as a gift. Not justified by his grace, by my goodness through the redemption that is in Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. So it's Jesus' works, His works, his works, that are transferred to our account. His works of going on a cross and, and receiving justice and judgment for badness, even though He didn't do anything bad. His work of doing that so that you and I didn't have to. It's His work. And our faith, if you have this faith, that receives that and says, yeah, 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 that, that, yeah, I want that perfection. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, those works. I want, I want those works. I, yes, I receive in faith that. Yes. John 6, 29, the work of God is this. Believe in the one He sent. That's the work. The works matter, and when we get that work, then all those things—that nine percent, that forty-nine percent, that, that Harvey Weinstein stuff, that whoever—all—all st- all, whoever, your name—all that stuff gets handled by the work of Jesus. Now. You know, so a lot of us are like, ooh, wait a minute, you, just, you put like Harvey Weinstein in there or somebody else in there, like, well, let's, let's not put him anywhere. Let's, I, there's no way that dude can ever go to heaven. No way, no way anybody like that could ever go because you've done so many. There's no way. Okay, okay, okay. Um, not, I'm not defending anybody right now, but I'm saying as soon as we start saying that, what we're saying is you could never work off your debt because it's all about you and your works. It's not about you and I and our works. It's about God. It's about Jesus and his works. It's not about you and I having ample time to, to work things off. A lot of us are like ah, I hate these deathbed confessions, these deathbed conversions. You know people go literally their whole lives a awful way and they go and they die. Hey, everyone who receives by faith Jesus, everyone who receives by faith Jesus, everyone goes to heaven. Everyone. 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 And you and I are not the judge and jury to decide who gets the grace of God and who doesn't get the grace of God. You and I don't get to decide, get to decide who Jesus died for. You and I don't get to decide who God likes and who God doesn't like. You and I don't get to decide who God chooses to forgive and who doesn't choose to forgive. We don't want to get that. Everybody gets that deal. Everybody. Now, this seems so weird and so awful and so unfair, which is why I have to get to our third challenge. A lot of us are tracking with my first... A lot of us are not tracking at all with where I've been because this is like blowing our, my worldview up totally. It's like, wow, jeez, not liking this at all. Others of us, you've heard stories about heaven and Jesus. You're like, yeah, get them, preacher. Come on, get them now. Stick them. Get on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one you're going to struggle with. Challenge number three, ensuring complete justice. The challenge of if every, if every decision now matters for eternity, how do we ensure complete justice? Jesus uh, one time told a story of people who were working in a vineyard and, and this one group of people had been working all day. They were laborers, working all day as day laborers, and they thought they were going to get this certain amount of money. And then someone comes in at the end of the day to help them fix, finish out the whole work. And they all line up in a row and the people who came at the end of the day got the same amount of money as the people who started at the beginning of the day. And those people got really upset. What Jesus was trying to say is this, it doesn't matter when you come in, we all get to go to the same place. That's what he was saying. Doesn't matter if you come in uh, on your deathbed, which by the way, deathbed conversions, I think there's very, very rare of them, very, very few of them. It's an interesting interesting, um, uh, philosophical discussion. But by the time you've to that place, you've, been so, you've gotten so used to saying no to the way of Jesus that you're not all of a sudden like, oh, no, no, I want them. No, you don't. You don't want them. There's, there's some, but it's, it's very, very, very rare. Jesus, but when that happens, Jesus is saying, it's the, you, you go the exact same place as someone who's been following God and trying to trend their heart to him for years and years and years. Now, that doesn't sound all that just. Are we saying that a mass murderer would get the same things that Mother Teresa would get? No. No. Once you are in heaven, there are different rewards because your choices today matter in eternity. Not just your choice, not just your choice where you're going to go, but your choice of things you get to do in eternity. Your your, your choice of things you get to have in eternity. Now, you might have a hard time believing this, wrapping your mind around it. I just want you to see, give you a bunch of Bible verses say the source that communicates what heaven is like is crystal clear on this. And I'll just give you a bunch of this data and you go, huh, interesting. Matthew 10, 42, Jesus says this, whoever gives one of the little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So you get a reward, apparently, if you want want to start giving out cups of water. (laughs) Because there is some sort of reward there. I don't know what it is, but there's some... And Jesus is not talking about entrance into heaven. There's some kind of award. How about this one, Matthew 16, 27? For the Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father, and then He will repay each person according to what He's done. Wow. You have to understand, again... This does not mean he's going to repay you and choose heaven or hell. No, this means there is a form of justice that you will not entirely have until you get to heaven or until you get to hell. Because simply pass-fail isn't justice. Like, I used to love pass-fails when I was in college. Because that meant that uh, I didn't really have to get an A with, by my work. I just had to root for other people's failures, what I had to do. Man, I knew those, I know those, you know those people. I know some of you people actually studied. I know some of you actually studied. I hated you. I, I'm like, what are you doing? You're messing up the curve. You're messing it up. You know, we should kind of be... See, what I didn't understand back then, here's what I didn't understand. All I wanted was the pass fail. What I didn't understand then was how well I did in school, what I learned in school, the grades I got in school would dictate... The kind of things I would have and the kind of things I could do later on in life. I didn't get that. I just thought like, oh no, it's just boring. People. Are, I didn't realize, hey, if I get a degree in good grades, I can make more money and do more things. Hey, if I get an education, I will have opportunities open to me that other people who unfortunately are not getting opportunity education uh, are not going to. I did not understand that. I understand that. See, pass-fail is not justice. There is a different place you can go. But there's different forms of justice in both of those places. Matthew 25:21, Well done good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your Master's happiness. There are responsibilities, cool responsibilities, great things you will get when you get to heaven based on what you do here right now. In fact, some of the things you're doing right here, right now, God has given you more responsibility right here, right now. As Chuck did an amazing job talking about this last week, heaven isn't later on there. There's a fullness later, but it starts here. Your eternity journey of honoring God and also experiencing the fruit of your works or the cursing of your works actually starts here. And God says, I'm seeing what's going on. And man, I'm gonna I'm pleased. And some of us you seem to be encouraged because you're not sure you're feeling the pleasure of God. You're doing the right things right now. You're doing the right work, and you're like, and things aren't falling your way. You need to understand there is a God who is a just judge. And he's not ruling right now, but he will rule. And he will make it right. And it may not be this week, it may not be this lifetime, but he will make it right. 1 Corinthians 3.8 He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. So your labor will cause you to have certain blessings, certain houses perhaps, certain, I don't know what, this is a now, certain things in heaven that somebody else won't have, Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. There's a lot of people who are sowing great things, trying to do the very work of God, of loving on people and doing things, and are not reaping benefits or rewards right now. And there's a lot of people who have no interest in God, who are sowing awful things, doing awful things, and they're having all kinds of great things happen in their life right now. He said, God will not be mocked. He will set it straight. He will make it right. There's all kinds of people who are going to heaven, who are just getting in by the, who, who are just skating in on the works of Jesus, and they have zero interest in honoring God with their works. And God says, do not be mocked. Yes, you will have it be in heaven. You will enjoy it. But do my, I will not be mocked. You will not have the same future as my faithful ones. You will not have that. Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints as you still do. He is not unjust. One of the ways he ensures that he is not unjust is by storing up rewards that many of us who are going to heaven will taste in heaven forever. 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 I just want to encourage you as we end this thing. You know, it's like, uh, I, I, like to, um, I, I like to do extreme motorcycle riding, and there's people who go to the same places where I go. I've ridden with a lot of people for years and years and years. But if, you're, if there's a certain amount of work that you don't do, you can't really enjoy it because you're so worn out, you're tired, there's certain things you can't do. But if you have been preparing yourself, a motorcycle trip is an entirely different experience. this the way it is for heaven. If you're preparing yourself, Preparing yourself for what's to come. And if you know that your choices now matter for eternity, things change. Hey, do not be deluded. Do not be deluded by a world that is increasingly cynical. Do not be deluded by a culture that would tell you and I, all there is is this life that is not right. Do not be deluded by a culture that would tell you, you whatever you do, it's all about you. That is not Right. Do not be deluded by a cult that says grab whatever you can today because God will not make it right and there is no bigger plan. There is a. Do not be deluded. Do not be dumbed down by the naysayers who don't know the living God and who don't know reality. Reality is there is a God who loves you very much. There is a God who has died for you. There is a God who has lived for you. There is a God who has prepared a place for you. And when you receive that, you want to Trend everything in your life towards that place because he's laying up place for you. Some of us have got a vision right now. You just want to receive him right now. You're saying, I want that Jesus. You work for me. I want that Jesus. <laughs> and I also want to tell him that uh, I, want, I want to live my life different. Let's pray right now. God, right now, some of us who want to receive you for the first time, and those of us who do, we just want to say, Jesus, I want you in my life. We say that. We say, Jesus, forgive me for my bad works. We say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. I want to receive your Holy Spirit and give my life to you. And those of us all at the same time want to say, Jesus, I, I, I know now what I need to do. I want to be on the right path with the right goal and the right things at the right time. Thank you for being patient. Amen.